What's up, guys? Hope you're having a great day. I am uh, excited to talk about a topic that I think is really important today, and that is something you're, I'm sure, very familiar with. Uh, but I think there's a lot of misconceptions around this topic and how it works and how it might apply in your planning. So today we're going to be talking about Social Security and what that looks like and whether or not you should include it in your planning. Now, I think for a lot of you guys that have read about Social Security a lot, I think there's general negative negativity around Social Security and you know how well it's funded and what ultimate benefits you might realize. And some of that is for good reason. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well. But, you know, in some other cases, it, it might be not a great thing to totally ignore it. So I think the general tendency is for people to view it as in trouble and not well-funded and better play it safe than sorry and, and not even account for it at all. In a lot of cases, I would agree with that. But in, in other cases, it can be a very worthwhile benefit that you should most certainly account for. Maybe you're already even getting some benefit from it. So we're going to talk a, a little bit more about how it works, how it applies to your situation, and you know whether or not you should consider counting on it for your future. Okay, so I wanted to start out with a little bit of a understanding, kind of a basic of how Social Security works. So you guys listening, a lot of you are physicians. And so with your average income being above above the norm and on the high end, odds are that you're going to you're gonna pay a lot toward Social Security in your lifetime. So it's worthwhile to understand what this thing is that you're going to be putting your money towards over your lifetime. So in 2023, as of when there, we're recording this, the income threshold that you must contribute to Social Security on is $160,200. And so the amount you must contribute of that income towards Social Security is 6.2% for you as the employee. But you, it, the rules also require your employer to match that. So 6.2 on both sides. So 12.4% is the total. So if you're self-employed, you're required to contribute 12.4%. If you're employed, you're still contributing 12.4%, but half of it is being contributed by your employer. If you're making over that 160,200 $160, threshold, you're maxing that out. That number, so 12.4% times 160,200 is $19,864.80 for the year of 2023 that would be going towards social security. So that's a pretty big dollar amount. And a lot of you, probably most of you listening are funding that full amount and added over, you know, a long career, say like 30 years of working, big number, potentially exceeding seven figures. And so worthwhile, I think, to think about also the benefits that they're promising today are very substantial as well. So that max, the max benefit in 2023 numbers, at least the max benefit that is promised if you were collecting it today is 3,627 per month at full retirement. And that varies a little bit based on when you were born. But if you were to extend that to age 70, that max number is 4,000 
$1,555 per month. That is the max benefit right now that you would get from Social Security. And so it's likely that you would get, if you work a full career, you would get that full retirement benefit if you had maxed out Social Security every year, which most physicians are going to be. So if you're a physician earning Social Security now, it's very likely that you're at that max payout in 2023. So that's a big number for a lifetime to be paid for the rest of your lifetime. And really from a ROI standpoint, from like a return on the investment standpoint, it's not terrible. It's probably not as bad as people think it is. I don't think like if you run the numbers on that as an investment, it's not terrible. But the question is like, or the question I would ask is like, what about the future numbers? So it's not bad if I'm earning the benefits today at that level. And it's really not bad at all probably pretty solid if I earned benefits, say I'm on the later stages of my life and I earned benefits for the past 30 years, and then it's probably a pretty good deal, even if I was at a really high income. Now they start to impose some tax on it. It gets a little complicated. We're not going to get into that today, but generally speaking, it's not bad. Probably definitely not as bad as people give it as people tend to think it is. But the concerning part is there's some funding problems. So we'll talk about that. In 2023, so they come out with a report every year. I'll link to this report. But they come out with a report each year that shows you exactly what the status is of Social Security funding. So it's, I wouldn't read the full report. It's like 200 pages. If you want to go to sleep, you can read that. But there's a summary report that's pretty, it's still pretty long, but I'll put up, pull out some of the big picture points today from that report. So as of 2023, the total cost of running Social Security is projected to be higher than the total income for 2023 and all years going forward. So in other words, Social Security is now officially losing money. In fact, it's been losing money since 2021. So Social Security has been losing money since 2021. Now, if you just look at the non-interest income, so Social Security earns money from your salary, and then it earns money from interest. So if you just look at the portion of non-interest income, so in other words, your salary, the cost of managing Social Security started to exceed the amount that all of us are contributing with our income. The That happened, that eclipse happened in 2010. So it's been losing money on the payroll versus expenses part for quite a while. And now it's losing money even when you also add the interest on the fund, the Social Security fund. So it's losing money. And in 2020, so as of 2021, unless you just look at this non-interest income. So that's not great. Now, as of 2033, that's when it would get so bad that they would have to reduce. That's the point where they would be forced to reduce the payout in order to still keep the, you know, keep the promises. And they would have to get reduced to like in the 70%, 71, 70, 71 to 77% range. Now, that is 
not terrible. I mean, like if 70%, so in other words, it's like in 2023, they they have to reduce benefits and everybody gets at least 70% of their the promised benefit. Now that's not like horrible, but it's definitely uh, not great. And so another way of looking at it, they, sh- they show you in this report, the actuarial deficit. So that's like the percentage of payroll that you would, Basically, how much would they have to start collecting in addition to what they're doing now in order to make up for this shortfall in Social Security? So the number here is six as a three point six two percent. So I was saying like they're doing twelve point four now, so they would have to increase that by three point six two percent in order to keep all the promises without having to change anything into the future. So the takeaway is. Social Security is okay today for the benefits coming out today, but there's problems brewing and it has to be fixed at the latest, at this point, at the latest before 2033 and really probably ASAP because the longer they delay that, the bigger the change is going to have to be. So the 3.62% is if they changed it today, but that number likely would go up as they delay. So. This report is very thorough and intense. I'm not exactly sure of all the details on how they incorporate like population trends and, you know, projections and assumptions. There's a ton of uncertainty to anytime you do a long-term projection like this, there's all kinds of uncertainty and unknowns. But I think the general takeaway, and this is coming from Social Security, the report on Social Security from the government, it's not great something's going to have to change. So the scenarios, I think the takeaways that come to mind, once you understand that, they're going to have to do something. I think nobody wants to talk about it right now. It's not, it's been, it's kind of died down as a topic lately, but this is still a problem and it's got to get taken care of. And I think the sooner the better. So some, I'll throw out some ideas for how, you know, they, I could see, envision them changing things to to get this back on track. So one option is, of course, they could reduce benefits for, I think it's especially likely for them to reduce benefits for high income to get this back to like 100% funded. So if it's 70, let's call it, say it's 70% funded now, in order to get them back to 100, they could take the highest income group and just reduce their promise benefits for the future. That would they could find the teeter-totter uh, equilibrium where it equals things out. And they could reduce those benefits indirectly. This is probably what they would do because they don't. the politicians don't like to say that they're not keeping their promise or say that they're reducing your benefits. The way that the kind of the semi-sneaky way to do it is to increase tax on Social Security. So they have... I could see the scenario where they say, well, now you, if you're over a certain threshold, you have to start paying, you know, a little bit more tax on social security or a lot more on tax on that social security income that you're receiving in order to account for this. And they'll probably lean towards higher income groups. It is a social program after all. Now, I guess technically they could increase the, or reduce the benefits for everyone, you know, by like, whatever it's necessary to account for this. I would say that's extremely unlikely just given the nature of it being a social so, social program. I imagine it'll be skewed towards higher income. They could also increase the payroll withholding. They already know the percentage that would 
be necessary to do this in order to keep get them back to 100% payout. They could re- increase how much is taken out of your paycheck by 3.62%, I think is the number. So that's the number they've figured is they could start charging everyone 3.62% greater on their income and then they're back to uh, 100% funded. I don't know I don't know how possible any of these are. I think that's probably the less likely scenario, uh, especially where they do it equal. So that would be maybe they do 1.81% to the employee and 1.81% to the employer. That's not like monster change, but it is a change. So that would make things equal. I think the more likely scenario kind of still within that category of increasing payroll is that same thing. They increase it for the higher income and not the lower income. I think that's probably a more likely scenario. The problem with that is it's going to be a higher percentage if they do it that way. But I could totally see what they do with the Medicare taxes. They charge a high income extra tax over a certain income threshold where you pay more to Medicare. I I could totally see them starting to charge working people a higher social security threshold when you make over a certain threshold account for this. And I think the last scenario I'll throw out, I think this is, I've already kind of mentioned this is a possibility, but I think this is low, probably the lowest possibility of all these changes is they just decrease the benefits across the board. I think, as I already mentioned, I think that is a possibility if we start to say they're going to decrease the benefits for the high income. But I think decreasing the benefits across the board is very unlikely. But either way, I think the main thing is that it is underfunded. We'll call it like 70% funded. It's not horrible. I have seen pension plans or plans like this that are worse. Like there's states that that have like teacher pensions that are much worse than this but it isn't great. So the question, I think the takeaway is like, how do you, what do you do with this? Like, how do you make sense of this? It's not exactly in your control or really it's not probably in your control at all other than, you know, voting and speaking up. So you kind of have to deal with what you got. But from a planning perspective, I think it is important to have some sort of strategy. So the way I would generally view this is a lot of it depends on your age and your situation. So I'll go through some like general rules of thumb to think about. And so if you're generally on the lower income threshold from like average income, like say your household income or sorry, your individual income is like, I don't know, 75 or lower. So I would call that on the lower end of the spectrum and that's what you expect to be for your lifetime. So if you're say 75 in today's dollars of income, 75,000 a year or lower, I would say it's very unlikely that you see negative impacts from however they figure out how to deal with this. I would say none of this stuff's guaranteed ever, but I'd say it's much lower likelihood. So I think the lower your income, the slight, I would be less concerned with this. The other big factor is your age. So the younger you are, the more concerned. So the older you are, 
the less concerned. Obviously, time is a big factor. So if you're like in retirement, obviously you're already collecting benefits. Say you're in your 80s. I mean, I think it's not a, too big of a concern. But if you're like in your 40s, it's like, eh, you know, maybe you should probably be able to count on some. Versus if you're in your 20s, it's like, I don't know. So those are the two big factors in my view is like your age and your income. So general rules of thumb, let's say your income is on the lower threshold and you're older. So like you're 60 and your income is 75 or lower. I would say it's safe to plan on like 75 to hundred percent of what the promised benefits are for your planning. I think it's a very likely it's very likely that they, that is what you realize is so you get, you can go look at your social security statement online. Anybody can, and whatever the promised benefit is 75 to hundred percent. I think that's reasonable if you're, you know, on the lower income threshold and you're right around retirement. The other extreme would be like, if you're on the really high income, so le like, let's say you're 300,000 or higher, maybe 250, let's say 250. Cause they've been really the, I'm talking about the government has been really zeroing in on that as like a target for high income versus low. So let's say you're 250 of income or higher and you're 30 years old. I would lean towards saying like 0%. Like let's just assume zero social security just to be safe because there's a, you know, who knows what the future holds. There's a lot of uncertainty anyway. You're so young. There's a ton of years from now until then. There's a, you know, there's problems with social security and there's a chance you might feel the brunt of that. And maybe even worst case scenarios, you're totally disqualified from it. Like they make you pay, but you get no benefits. That's worst case scenario, which is not impossible, but I would for, to be cautious, I would plan for 0% in that situation. Now, most people are somewhere in the middle. So, you know, maybe you're mid career, like you're, you're 45. And your middle income, like let's just say 150 income, 45 years old. In that situation, I'm like, well, you know, maybe somewhere in the middle, like 30 to 50%. Maybe you say 50%. You plan on 50% of what the promised benefit is. And I think that's a, a decent like estimate. Um, you know, or if you are wanting to play it safe, I mean, I it doesn't hurt to assume lower, but the problem with that is there's a point where it's like you start to set yourself up to be like having a very large amount of wealth in the future. So at the end of the day, it really depends on circumstances and your personal preferences. I think it's worthwhile to account for some social security, especially as you get older and especially as income is lower, but you don't want to, the thing we want to avoid is where we count on it. And then it causes you to not save as much. And then you end up, and then the, the benefits change and you get, you end up in a position where you're, you know, you end up being hurt because of that. So I think that's the big takeaway is it's for a lot of you, it's probably worthwhile to maybe start to include some portion of social security, especially the older you get. And especially as your income is lower, but it will be keeping an eye on it. I think Right now, it's not great, but you know who knows what happens. Hopefully, they find a or they come up with a fix to this sooner than later. But I don't know <laughs> with what's happened lately. It seems like compromise has not been the norm for politicians these days. So I got my fingers crossed.
But so Social Security, keep an eye on it. We'll keep an eye on it for you. If you have questions more specific about Social Security, feel free to reach out and we can dig in. But I think we hit on the main points. We'll link to the report with all the details if you want to dig in. And we'll look forward to catching up next time. Please know that anything I've said today in this podcast should not be considered advice. It is completely for educational and entertainment purposes only. It would be best to view me as just another guy talking about money on the internet. For advice, please consult your advisors. If you don't happen to have a financial advisor already, I happen to know a firm that's absolutely fantastic. It's actually the firm I started and currently run now, Ren Financial Planning. And we would love to get to know you better and see if we might be able to help. Feel free to reach out anytime to schedule an introductory meeting. You can find more info about us at www.renfinancial.com.